to be at church today. Good to be hanging out with you. Thanks for everyone checking us out online. We, uh, man, we're glad to be here, and I hope you're ready to hear some more. Are you ready for some truth? We live in a world that's starved for truth, and we're about to drop some truth, not from me, but from God's Word. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, who knows what this is? Someone, someone in the first, our first gathering said, Instapot. I said, before there was the Instapot, there was the Crock-Pot. Many of us grew up on the crock pot. Now, let's see what we got here. Cindy, she put in some, oh, she put a little roast in there. She got like a little, uh, look, looks like smothered in bacon. I don't care what you put underneath the bacon. If you smothered in bacon, you know it's going to be good, right? Oh, so I think it's a pork roast. What's, what's your favorite recipe? What's your, what's your recipes? What do you like? Oh, Mississippi pot roast. Okay, I think you can bring some for your pastor next week. That's awesome. <laughs> what else? Shortbread? I was going to say shortbread. Okay, short ribs. Okay, you're scaring me. Short ribs, yeah, ribs. Mm. Okay, this is, this is too close to lunch to be having this conversation. I was fine first gathering, but this, this one's just is too much. So the, the, the thing about a, a crock pot is, is something magical takes place inside that pot. Like you leave in the morning with a cold, slimy, inedible cow that's laid to rest in this heated coffin, only to return eight hours later to the smell of promise. A a born again brisket, ready to be unearthed out of its tomb and find its way to my belly. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Something magical happens in the the pot, and the secret to the success of what happens in the pot is Yeah, you're right. Kind of like Mike P's uh, IQ and his 40-yard dash speed, low and slow. Stole my thunder. That's good. Oh, oh you got, yeah, Mike, Mike sits in the first service. You don't know him. So it, trust me. It's actually very accurate. No, we love Mike. Uh, but yeah, low and slow. It's like the, the, the secret to success is, in fact, the gap. Transformation happens in the gap. Hey, we're in week three of our growth in the gap, but we've been studying from God's word these gaps that occur, these God-given, God-ordained gaps through which God transforms us into something he wants us to be. Now, a lot of people think that uh, in the gap, God's going to provide that which we are missing, which certainly that can and does happen. But I think that more often, the gap isn't to provide what is missing, but rather to reveal that which is already present. God wanted me to tell you there's something special in your pot. We say, what do, I, what do I mean, Pastor John? Well, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that we are, we have treasure in these jars of clay. One, one translation says, treasure in pots of clay. We are all pots, and we have treasure. We have life. We have light. We have the power of Jesus Christ living within us, and God said they forgot. God told me they forgot, and Pastor John sometimes you forget. I wonder, 
if we've forgotten about the power that God has in each one of us. The title of the message is The Power of Your Pot. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's power in my pot. Turn to your other neighbor and say, oh yeah, yeah, there's power in my pot. Come on. There's power up in there. And we're going to talk about it today. Second Kings. Second Kings. Chapter 4, verse 1. There's a woman that's in the gap. She's living in the gap. What do I mean? She, her husband passed away. Now, by the way, if, if you've lost a loved one, we have a, we have a group, a grieving group. I'd love for you to, to sign up for that. It's, it's a real thing. It, it's, a, it's a hardship. Um, but but she's, she's in this gap, lost her husband. And to make matters worse, her husband, who worked for the prophet Elisha, he owed money, not to Elisha, but to, to a creditor. And so this creditor was coming to take her boys. By Hebrew law, that would be allowed. You could take the, uh, the debtor's children. And so she loses her husband. She's about to lose her two boys. Things couldn't get much worse. She has nothing in the house except one little pot. She feels powerless. Elisha comes to remind her there's power in her pot. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you do have in your house. Someone needs to hear that today. Someone's watching online. And God's saying, tell me what you do have in your house. In other words, there's some power up in that pot. So he says, tell me what you do have in the house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring, bring, me, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. The oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Lord God in heaven, thank you for the reminder you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the provider. But God, help us not miss the point of the story. It's not just about provision of oil. But it's a reminder to this woman that there is power in her. There is light in her. There is life in her. That, that there is a weapon that she can wield. And God, forgive us for when we forget that. Wake us up today and help us realize the power we have in our pot. In Jesus' name, amen. So here she is. The gap has left her depleted. Maybe you're there today. You've been in a gap, you feel depleted. Everything she had in her, her pantry, gone. Everything she had of value, she either sold or traded. She's depleted. But here's what I want to remind you today. Power 
flows from depleted vessels. See, I'm preaching a word that the devil doesn't want you to hear today because he wants you to be defeated by your depletion. I got an image of someone in, in hibernating. You're like in spiritual hibernation because you bought into the lie that just because you're tired, just because you're depleted, just because everything ain't perfect in your life, that the enemy can't use you. And then you got to think, well, okay, but if I just get this right, if I memorize the Beatitudes, if I can quote this, if I can sing this, if I can not cuss the whole day and maybe stop smoking or vaping, like as long as I can do all that, like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Got to work on that in his time. Got to work on that. You're depleted today. You came into church or you're watching online and you are depleted. Let me tell you something. Power flows from the depleted vessels. Here's why, we, here's why we bought into the myth that you have to be perfect to be powerful. You know why we bought into that myth? Because preachers preach that. And I'm sure I've been guilty. But what we do is, is we preach that we preach all the wins of all the great Bible figures, right? All the, all the great wins. And we forget to talk about their losses and that amidst their losses God is still powerful they still have power within them they can still be of value to the kingdom and so today I'm going to preach some not so sexy stuff is that okay because because I want to 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 remind us that God uses broken vessels God uses depleted vessels here I need a volunteer let me uh how about, how about Jeff? Jeff? Where are you at, Jeff? I saw you. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw you. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm talking to you. Come on. Come on, Jeff. Come on up here. So, yeah, come on up here, Jeff. Come on, come on. Come on up here. Oh, yeah. Come on up here. This is, so this is Jeff. Jeff. Oh. <laughs> you just did that. Sure, people like me, we have to take the stairs. Yeah, okay. So this guy is Noah's dad, the, the drummer, that's his pops. Is it okay if I use you to illustrate the word of God today? It depends on what you're doing. With, with, with hair like that, you could be a good illustrative tool, okay? What kind of product you use? No, I'm just kidding, all right, come on, all right. oh, come on over, come on, come on. So um, I, I want, but in all seriousness, I want to point out how God uses depleted vessels and that we got to tell the, we got to preach the wins and the losses. So everyone loves to preach the passage on Moses, Exodus 14. You know what happened in Exodus 14 by any chance? It's, that was the passage where they, after 430 years of Egyptian slavery, Moses led them out. Can you bring, bring, bring out Moses' staff? Moses led them across the, the Red Sea. It's kind of a cool passage, right? And, and, I, and I purposely called on you because you're tall, you know, like the Charlton Heston type of Moses. You know what I'm saying? I want to know the scrawny little Moses. All right. I'm just kidding. If you're short, okay, just, anyways. Um, So what did he do? He raised the staff. All right, now turn to them. (laughs) Act like you were in bad mamma jamma. Come on, raise them, raise them. There you go, there you go. And now now, now, now go ahead and cross cross the uh, Red Sea. You think that's how he crossed? That's the most wimpy cross I've ever seen. Come on back here, let's try that again. With your pink shoes, all right? All right, ready? Okay. Now, remember, you got two million Israelites you're leading across. All right, this is a big deal. All right? All right? Come on. So, so we're running? Well, no, no, no. 
I mean, it, the, the ocean floor was probably a little muddy. So, I mean, I don't think they could be like, force Gump on me. But like, just lead them like some authority. Like, yeah. Oh, there you go. There, there. That's Moses. That's Moses. That's Moses. All right. All right. Now, come on. That's Exodus 14. That's what everyone preaches because it's sexy. But, but, but the, the Bible says to present the whole measure of the gospel, right? You know what happened in Exodus 2? Before there was the, the Red Sea? Exodus 2, there was the Dead Sea inside of Moses. Oh, no one preaches about the Dead Sea, only the Red Sea. The Dead Sea was this. In Exodus 2, he literally kills an Egyptian, buries the guy in the sand, and someone sees it. He's like, oh, y'all saw that? Uh-oh. And so he bolts for the desert of Midian. For 40 years, he's depleted. For 40 years, he lives in obscurity. Did God use him in the desert? Yes. Did he have value in the desert? Yes. Did he have power in the desert? You better believe he did. He was depleted, but God used him. Let me give you another example. Uh, David. Now, David, uh, hmm, everyone preaches. Yeah, the problem with David is, is you, you are kind of tall, which was great for, for Moses, but David, we think, was kind of short. Why? Because in 1 Samuel 16, remember when the, the prophet Samuel came to anoint him with oil? He was like, oh, you got another son? And then David walks out from the field, and he's like, he looks at him like, what, God? And God says, don't look on the outside, look on the heart, right? So we know he was either short or ugly. <laughs> Which one you want to be? I'll take both. I'm good. You take both? All right. So what? You're a good-looking guy, so let's just, just there you go. Just, no, no. I mean, just, just pretend you're a little shorter. Hey, can we bring it? I need, oh, all right. sorry, that's me. I need you to, uh, he was armed, because we're, we're going to talk about the sexy passage, First Samuel 17, everyone knows. You can be a, a Christian for like two minutes, and you know what happened with this, this story of, of David and the Goliath. I don't have an actual sling. That's all I had, you know, but, uh, and this is for illustrative purposes only. Please do not aim this at them, okay? okay? So... Oh, by the way, this is a stone. This actually came when we went to the Holy Lands. Uh, we bought this, and uh, it was from the actual the Valley of Elah, where, the, where it actually took place. I'm not sure I believe that. I think it probably came from, like, a Home Depot in Israel or something. <laughs> right? But don't, don't actually load okay. it. This is okay. Right. So basically, the, the sexy passage, uh, 1 Samuel 17, he aims it at the giant, except it's more actually a sling. How about, you, you didn't load that, did you? No. Okay, jeez. <laughs> I'm not sure if our insurance covers that. <laughs> okay, that would not be good. Um, so he, and he had five stones, but he only needed one. He hit him in the forehead, knocked it. Yeah, boop. Everyone cheers. Everyone's erupts, right? Erupt. Woo! Ah! Whoa, whoa, he's a bad man, Majama. He took down a 10-foot giant with a little sling. And then he goes and takes a sword, cuts his head off. That's pretty cool, right? That's 1 Samuel 17. That's the win. How about the loss? How about 2 Samuel 11? He faced a bigger giant than the 10-foot giant. He faced a giant known as Bathsheba. He would, have, he would commit adultery, and then he would uh, put Uriah, her husband, out in the front lines and intentionally have him murdered by the enemy. And so now we got a murder. Okay? So take, take, the, take this away. And in 2 Samuel 12, the very next chapter... He's on the floor. Bible, this is what the Bible, you can read the Bible. Trust me, I'm not making this up. He's on the, on the ground in the fetal position. Okay, you know why? This is, the, this is the not so funny part. I mean, that's funny. You're funny. 
But you know why he was, the Bible says he, was, he didn't eat for seven days? He said he laid on the ground because Bathsheba and his son that they had together, firstborn, on the seventh day, God allowed him to be, to, to die. And so he's literally can't move. And it, the Bible says that they, they didn't want to tell them that he was dead because they were afraid he was going to harm himself. You mean King David had suicidal thoughts? Question. Say there. Did God use a depleted David? Did David go on to do some great things even in a not so perfect state? Yeah, he did. And here's why. Stay there. I'm almost done. Do I promise you? I'm not going to leave you there. God won't leave you there either. Second Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in that. And that should give you hope. That should put a smile on your face. I talked to people who are struggling today. I prayed for, with someone who came in the door who's struggling already with depression. And she didn't want to come today, but God said, come, Right? God can use you because there's power in your pot. You know what I'm talking about. There's power even in dark seasons. Don't let the enemy trip you up and punk you out and think that you have to be perfect to be powerful. Come on. Because give him a hand. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Thanks, brother. Good man. Good man. Because here's what God wants me to, to, to say is that depleted doesn't mean defeated. You don't have to be defeated. Now, you will be depleted. That's a fact of life. We live in a world, we live in unredeemed bodies, we live in a fallen world. Like we're gonna to suffer depletion. That's a fact of life, y'all. But we don't have to be defeated. And, and I was so proud. Oh, you girl, Lauren. Yeah. Stand up, Lauren, real, real quick. So I'm, I'm worshiping and I got a little choked up because what, what's, what's, what's this, what's it called, the thing you have? What is it? Yeah, it's basically a hole. She has a hole in her throat, okay? And she has to eat that way most of the time, right? Or through a feeding tube, okay. But you've been praying so long, so hard, time and time again. We've talked about it. I've prayed for you. And you know what I saw, sweet daughter of God? And if I feel this way, I can only imagine how your heavenly father must feel about you. But you're out there singing one hand raised, the other hand holding this so you could project your voice, what, what voice you have left. And you said, you're singing, I'm going to see the victory. I'm going to see the victory. Come on, girl. Got you. Whew. See, that's big faith. And, and, and you know what? You might have missed the big faith of this passage because this woman, we read this passage and, and we don't think that she has big faith, but God showed me that she does. I want to I show that to you today. She, so she says, your servant has nothing there at all, she said. You missed it, didn't you? You missed it. You didn't see the big faith in there, did you? Mm. I'm going to read one more time. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said. The, the gem, the nugget, is the very last comma. She didn't put a period. She put a comma. And so often we put a period where God put a comma. You're a work in progress. You're depleted now, 
but, but God's doing a great work in you. And we, and we end our story. We end that chapter and God says, no, 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 that was just meant to be a comma because the very next word is gonna change everything. You ready for it? Sometimes you're one word away from your victory. You're one word away from your blessing. Here it is. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said. Here's the next word. Accept. 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 A small jar of olive oil. She did what most of us failed to do, myself included. She recognized her exception. Do you recognize yours? God gave us all a powerful exception. Maybe it's something we have, but for most of us, it's something he's given us. Maybe it's our character. Maybe it's, it's our idiosyncrasies. Maybe it's something unique that the world laughs at, but God says, oh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your sense of humor you're resolved not to give up. What is it? I don't know. I'm not God. God's the author, but your blueprint is uniquely created for you. She recognized her exception. Do you and I recognize our exception? Whew. Because your exception is what makes you exceptional if you can recognize it. A lot of us, we don't recognize our, our, our exception due to deception. The enemy deceives us and tells us, well, you, you, you're not special about you. God messed up when he made you. No, 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 no. You, are, you have an exception, and we have to find it. Because here, here, here's what I want to show you from God's Word. The Holy Spirit really illuminated this this week, and I've been and so, so excited to share this. So your exception is what can connect you, God can use your exception to connect you to your power. Let me show you where it's at. Uh, verse two, your servant has nothing, okay? Some of us, that's, we feel like that's kind of where we're at today. Your servant has nothing there at all except, there's the connection, a jar. Nothing, provision, power. Nothing to power, nothing to power. One word, and it's the word accept, connects those two things together. Oh, and it goes deeper, it goes deeper. Because the word accept is the Hebrew word, ki'im. Say ki'im. Ki'im. Ki'im is a conjunction, and those of you that took eighth grade English know that a conjunction, junction, what's your function? You know what it does? It's used to join or connect two independent clauses. You find your exception, and chances are you'll find your power. God wants to use that exception to connect you to the power that was always inside of you. So... Some of you know the story of, of, of Michael and Aaron. They've shared their journey publicly, and they've allowed me to share it today. Uh, basically, for six years, they ran from God. They didn't want anything to do with God. And they were, you could say they were in a gap. You, they were stuck in, in, a, in a, maybe a self-induced gap. 
And you know, God sent an exception into their life, and that exception's name was Max. He's the one on the right. Clearly the better looking of the two boys. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. It's a joke. Um, they're both sweet, sweet little childs of God, but children of God. But they, uh, but he was, he was unique, and they're all unique. But Max had an exception. You know what that exception was? It was a literal gap in his mouth, called a cleft palate. There it is, a literal gap. They're in a self-induced gap, and God sends a child with a gap with an exception that the world might not look at favorably because it's different. God uses something different, something special, something unique to bring them to their knees and to close the gap between he and the children he loved so much, Michael and Aaron. They came running back to Jesus because of their exception. I just wonder if God's not asking us today to find our exception and in doing so, Find that power. But warning, you'll do so with depleted hands, with tired eyes. But you'll do so, and you'll find your power. Amen? Verse 3, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for the empty jars. That's what I don't understand about God. Why involve the neighbors? I mean, if you're God, wouldn't you want the credit and just be like, God did this, Right? Why involve the neighbors? Well, for the same reason in John chapter 6, he used a boy's lunch to feed 5,000 people. Or in Acts 2, he used what they already had, their possessions, to provision the people. He didn't make it appear. It was the people's stuff. They sold it and gave to each other. Why is it that in Acts 9, he sends Ananias to, sorry about that, Ananias, maybe it was like a rushing wind when Ananias came. He sends Ananias to, to heal, uh, heal Paul's blindness. Why? Why? Because people perpetuate power. Like it or not, God set it up that way. People perpetuate power. And it's kind of cool. It's, it's, it's the way the, the family of God works. We bring out well, we can bring out the best in each other. We can bring out the worst. Because people, I should tell you, people also perpetuate problems. Amen, Troy? Amen. Amen. People perpetuate problems. Amen? Amen. amen. But be careful because the ameners oftentimes are, are part of the problem. You know what I'm saying? I mean, thank you for the amen. I mean, let's get, let's, I want to be a loud church. We can, you know, turn the volume up a little bit and let's get excited about, about church, you know. But, but, like, sometimes we're part of the problem. In fact, let me, let me full disclosure, here, here, here's what you don't want to know about your pastor. Wednesday night, we're on a date night, and in walks, a, 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 we're at a restaurant, and in walks a, a couple. They don't go to this church. They don't go to this church. And I didn't even do anything wrong to this couple, but it's a long story. They just don't like me. And so they walk in, and, you know, I know Ephesians 4 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Right, amen. So, Fred, exactly. So what did I do? They walked in, I did this. Sitting across the table from him, he's like, 
I told him who it was, and I said, don't look, don't look, don't look. She looks, she looks, and she's like, really, John, really? She said, I'm going over there. Well, I said, me too. I'm going too. So, so we walk over there. We take the walk of shame, and I know they probably saw me do this, and they're like, what a jerk. Love God, love people, you know. Okay, so here, you know, and isn't it funny how, like, we're good at loving people except the people we don't want to love? Okay, so we're all works in progress. But so, so, so we go over there, and when we talked to me, it was awkward, it was weird, nothing really good came of it other than maybe the obedience to love people, right? That's, that's enough, even if it doesn't turn out, even if you don't see the product of your obedience, obedience is still obedience, amen? And so we walk back, and I was like, man, that didn't go so well. And so we just, for the next 20 minutes, we finished our dinner and gossiped about them the rest of the time. I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. No, we didn't. I promise we didn't. But sometimes I hear people say, like, oh, church people suck. Well, that could be true in that we sometimes don't represent our creator. I don't always represent our creator the best. Be careful how you talk about the bride of Christ. Jeff, you're going to let someone talk about your wife like that? Your wife sucks, man. You're probably throwing some blows, right? I know you wouldn't let him, right? Is that right, Nicolette? Yeah, man. Like that. So we've got to be careful how we talk about the bride. And, but, but people, we perpetuate power. We perpetuate power. There's something you need from God. Here's the weird part. That you only can get from a person. Not because God doesn't have it, but because God distributes the gifts and provisions through his people to connect us, right? And there's something that someone needs from God that they only can get from you. Crazy, I know, but that's how God set it up. It's called the church. It's called plan A. There's no plan B. Plan A is the church, to, to share the love of Christ with, with God's people. So what I want to say is it's, it's impossible to be independent, misindependent, misunderstood, right? Misindependent cannot also be Mrs. Obedient. You can't, have, you can't have them both. You can have one or the other, but we are interdependent. We are the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, there is one body, but it has many parts. Which part do you play? Which one? Oh, but yeah, but I don't know that I'm that powerful of a part. I'm just a thumb. Hmm. Go try to pick up a, a cup of water without a thumb. You ever done that? I can't do it. It's incredibly important. You play an important role in, in this church family. And, and if you're not, get off your butt and serve. Like, don't be just, just a consumer. There's a time to consume. But, like, if you're in the right place, like, and, and I say that, we're never, who's, who's ever in the right place? Who's ever in a perfect place? But, like, be part of, the, be part of serving, man. You play a part. This, this family needs you. And I was just thinking this, this week, like, imagine some dude, like, he's at his house, you know, like, he's, like, depressed. He's, like, you know, playing video games, and he's just super, de super depressed and, like, doesn't feel like God loves him. Maybe he doesn't feel, like, seen. Maybe he just went through, I don't know, divorce or something, and, and he feels lonely and forgotten. All of a sudden, knock, 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 knock. Goes to the door. It's the widow's son. Hey, Kyle, 
Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, can I, can I borrow a pot? That old dusty pot that's been sitting there forever. Yeah, God's going to use your pot to do something really, really special. And all of a sudden, this guy realizes like he's seen, he's noticed. And you ignite something in somebody else. Romans 10, 5, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Maybe God's calling you to bring good news this week to somebody. To be that oil that, that fills their pot. The gathering, we're a mix of pots. We are. And we, we're, <laughs> it can't be laughing. We are a mix of pots. Crazy, jacked up, Jesus loving, imperfect, but serious about our faith type of pots. I don't know how else to describe it, but that's how eloquently I would describe it. That's, that's who we are, right? And like, I just play one part. Like, okay, yeah, I had the vision for the church. But did you know that that vision was prophetically confirmed through a woman named Kathy? I don't know if Kathy's here today. Kathy, you here? Yeah, Kathy. Because God birthed it in my heart, and I knew God was calling me to do it, but I wasn't like, really, didn't want to tell anybody. And Kathy, she's like, I want to come up. Come. She invited Cindy over the house, and, and we all were there, and Ken was there. And she said, you're supposed to start a church. I'm thinking to myself, I know, I just don't, I don't want to because church plants are so hard and they almost always fail. Oh God, I'm resisting, right? So my part was the vision, her part was the confirmation. And don't you know that before we ever named the church, that night that she prophetically spoke that, she was literally diffusing a pot of oil. And the oil that she was using and that she was using in her diffuser, her essential oils, was in fact gathering. You can't make that stuff up. You cannot, it, the church didn't even have the name. Well, actually it did, God had the name. He just hadn't told me yet. But then my daughter, Stella, she's the one that actually thought of the name. I'm sure Holy Spirit induced. And then Gary, Gary, came and, and he was provided leadership, he provided mentorship, he provided a VCC, they, another church. They provided seed and resources. Like, and then we got, we got Marcia and Shirley. They're not here today, they're sick. But every week, could you imagine life without them? Could you imagine this church without them? They're like such an integral part and so are you. People, they perpetuate power. We do that for each other, and we remind each other that there's power left in our pot. Verse 6, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. This is fun. This is awesome, right? But he replied, there's not a jar left. The oil stopped flowing. Here's, here's what I want you to understand from God's word. Your flow is equal to your faith. I can show you how big your God is by just examining how many pots you set out. Which is why he said earlier in that verse, he said, don't just ask for a few, hint, hint, hint. And God's telling us the same thing. Don't just ask for a few. Here, here's our assignment. Here's your takeaway today. One of them. You ready for this with your Cowboys jersey on? I'd to get him out of here. No, I'm just kidding. That's all right. They're better than the Cardinals this year anyways. 
I hope ain't in the Cardinals because I always get defeated, right? Guys, I think I think we need to set out more pods. I think we need to set out more pods. I think God's saying, church, your assignment is to set out more pods. What does that mean for you? I don't know. Maybe in your marriage, it means setting out opportunities for you to grow as a couple. What, what, what do I mean? Here's one. Thanks to Terry Fry, our marriage director here at the gathering. Sweet lady. She uh, had us do these, uh, this, and a lot of people in this church literally set out a pot and you would write for 30 days something you love about your spouse. So mine are all in uh, orange that I wrote about Cindy. Uh, Cindy's are in yellow. There's only seven because you can only think of seven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But like here's an, it's an opportunity. Why are you laughing? Like, it's, like that's true. Okay. Yeah, okay, the funny thing is ours, is that when you're opening it? Oh, good. See, I felt like such a bad pastor. Um, the, I haven't opened ours either. I'm kind of afraid, like what she might have said, number one. But also did have something to look forward to when, when, the, when that, you know, whenever God leads us. But like, that's just setting out a pot. Maybe, maybe with your family, it's a family night. Maybe uh, you're setting out an opportunity, like a, a time to connect, an intentional time with your family to connect. Here's a suggestion. Zoo lights. Zoo lights is coming up. We've already had a couple hundred people signed up. I don't know how many more tickets we got, we got but get them before we, we run out because we have a limited number that we get. And, um, but that's just an, it's just an opportunity to, to set out more pots. I think as a church, last year, we set out a pot. December 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve last year, we went into the park. We took a big chance and we said, you know what? We want to love on our community. This might be the stupidest idea. These church people probably think I'm, I'm crazy, but we're going to try it. Well, we tried it. And what happened? God filled that pot. Yeah, yeah, we have some pictures. That was last year, December 23rd. It was an awesome time in the stadium. We, we had 1,200 plus people there and so many salvations. So many people gave their life to Jesus Christ. We need to celebrate that. You made that possible. We made that possible by setting out a pot. But as I celebrate, I also lament. Why? Because your pastor didn't have big enough faith. I didn't set out enough pots. We had a thousand chairs. Over 200 people had to stand because I didn't dream big enough. I knew there was power in this pot, but I didn't realize how much power we have when we come together so this year, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Here's what we're going to do. And I love Daniel Burnham's quote. He said, make no little plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood. I have no intention of having wimpy faith. I want to set out some more pots. And so here's what we're going to do. Instead of going into the stadium like we did last year, we are not moving to the park, the eight-acre field park where there's more room, more space, we're gonna have more, more stuff so that we can welcome more people. 
And instead of doing it one night, we are going to do it December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Three nights in the park. We are setting out more pots, y'all. Come on. Woo! Take a look. Take a little look. You're going to see this on social media, so you can see it here first. Take a look. gonna be good Woo! but here's the here's the thing so Christmas this year falls on a Sunday so we will we are encouraging you to be home with your family on Sunday and we're gonna be for three we're gonna be tired anyways for three days we're gonna be out there loving on God's people and then the next Sunday is, is New Year's Day and because y'all are gonna stay out too late and and you're gonna need some time to sleep in so you can get ready to repent I'm just kidding uh, we're going to have that next s- Sunday, instead of having a morning gathering, on New Year's Day, we're also going to meet at 6 p.m. out in the park for an outdoor night gathering, because we want people to be able to come who may not otherwise go to church. We ain't just trying to reel in church people, y'all, right? The, 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 the bait on the hook isn't for the fish in the boat. It's for the fish in the water. Amen? Amen. But here's the thing. The bait... It's expensive. It's going to cost us as a church. Anytime you do something radical, people, number one, they always think you're crazy until they see, you know, people coming to Christ and they're like, oh, this is great. I was with you all along, pastor. So it's going to cost us $42,000. Woo! It's a lot of money. So, yeah, I like your faith. I needed you last year. <laughs> I needed that last year. But this is the 2022 version of myself, and I realized that there's power in this pot, there's power in this pot, and, and $42,000 sounds like a lot, but here's the thing. If the same people come each day, 1,200, day one, 1,200, day two, 1,200, like different people, but like each night we have, that's 3,600 people. 42,000 divided by 3,600 is $11.70 a person. Is a soul worth $11.70 in God's economy? I think it is. I think it is. So I appreciate your trust, and um, really, I appreciate you um, being faithful and serving. We're going to ask you to serve. It's going to take a lot of people. And also, I'm going to ask you above and beyond your 10% tithe, not today, because I want you to pray about this. I don't want you to do this under emotion. I want you to pray about this. Say, God, you're the boss. What do you want me to do? And just let him lead you. But what we're going to do in two weeks from now, today, December 4th, we are going to take what we're calling a for the one offering. And you're going to get these envelopes when you leave today. It's a for the one offering for the one person who will come to Christ. And I promise you there's going to be a whole lot more than one. It doesn't even take much faith to say that. But God's going to do, I believe God's going to do a great work. But what I want you to do is I want you to take this home. I want you to pray about it. This is above and beyond your, your 10% tithe. The Bible talks in Malachi, we give 10% to the church. That's just, we do that out of obedience. And if you're not tithing, I would ask you, don't give, don't give it to anything for this. Just be obedient first on your tithe. But this is an offering for the one above the tithe. And I just want you to pray about it. I want you to wrestle with it. I, 
I got a number in my head and I haven't told Cindy the number, but the number for us is a lot. And it's gonna cost, cost us, like we're gonna, we're gonna have to take some out of savings. But you know what? Savings was never about safety. Savings is about salvation, right? Everything we have is really God's and to be used for God's glory. It was never really mine. And you, you can't lose what you've already surrendered. <laughs> if you surrendered to God, I ain't losing nothing. It was always his. And so it's gonna stretch us. And somebody, it might be 50 bucks. Somebody might be 5,000. Somebody might be able to write a check for 42,000 and, and, and take care of all that. Who knows what God's gonna do? But just pray about it. Take it home, pray about it. And then on December 4th, we're gonna come back and we are going to give these as a church family. I don't know, maybe we'll put a Christmas tree up here and, and maybe have you come down as a family. Not, not to be seen, okay? Because you're no more, you know, no more special if you give or if you don't give. God loves you just the same. But just to celebrate what God's gonna do in advance through faith as we say, God, we believe you're gonna fill these pots with oil. You see, friends, I believe, I believe people, we're, we're gonna see some spiritual widows. People are gonna come who are broken, who are empty, and they need to be reminded they are the son or daughter of the most high God for whom he went to the cross and died for. Like we get to remind people how important they are in God's economy, that they are seen, that they do matter, and that there is a church where we're not gonna judge you. You can bring your messy self here and experience the love and transforming power of Jesus Christ. All we gotta do is be faithful to set out some pots, be faithful to serve, be faithful to give, and watch God do what only God can do. Yen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. Come on. Let's pray. I want to pray for the people who are hurting. God, I thank you for every pot that's in here, every jar of clay that is hurting today. I thank you for using broken vessels like me, like us, like this church. Thank you, God, that although we may feel depleted at times, we are not defeated. We are gonna see the victory and we are seeing it even in seasons of depletion. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you for allowing us to be the oil that fills other pots as we perpetuate the power of Christ and others. Thank you for allowing us to be part of that process. Lord, bring those people. You see them already. You know them already. You know who all who are going to fill the, that area, that field. Do a great work. We're expecting you to fill it as only you can. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching online or you're here today, you don't know Jesus, you can know him by simply praying this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me for my mistakes. And thank you for seeing greatness in me and for using me to do something great in this life. My purpose is in you, for I make you, Jesus, my Savior from this moment on. In Jesus' name, let's welcome them into the family of God. Yeah. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, if you made that decision, we have a free uh, little gift for you at our Connect counter, stop by there. But for the, for the rest of us, if you need prayer, we have our prayer team, our pastors, 
Our leaders are up here. We'd love to pray with you. We are a family. We do life better together. But for the rest of us, let's leave out this place with a smile on our face. And let's go be the oil that fills others because there's power in your pot. Amen? God bless you.